price drop? Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everybody, it's your Shinigami wizard, Holden McNeely. <laughs> Give me that apple. Holden already said he's going to be a wizard, but is that a dare? What if I say wizard and then he decides he wants to be the bruiser? No, this is just a normal opening to a podcast. Unless he's inferring that by choosing bruiser, I'm already deciding that I'm going to follow his lead, which is what a guilty person would do. I know, I'll say I'm going to say wizard, but then change it to bruiser at the last minute while keeping it inside my head, the secret code to my real title. This is how I win victory, exactly as Keikaku planned. Hi, it's me, the talking rules. Do you know it will cause a duel? That's right, they made a musical out of Death Note. How dare, there is no talking rules in the Death Note musical. That's a completely different, that's just something you made up. I'm writing my own Death Note musical and it does have talking rules and I also Americanized it and made it all about a central love story which thus butchered it just like the live action movie did on Netflix but either way we'll get to it we're talking oh, about Death I Note today I wish that's why the live action North American movie was butchered one of the that reasons. would be great one if of the that's re- the reason why it was it's butchered a sing- it's a single reason it's, a, it's, it's one of the reasons uh, for sure I think either way Death Note is what we're talking about. Hey, listen, you seen kids, you Gen Zers who stayed up till midnight on a, to watch Adult Swim and see this cool emo bot boy fight an even cooler emo boy, but they weren't fighting with fighting. They were fighting with um, inner monologues and second guessing one another. I see you. And tennis. I hear you. <laughs> You're valid. <laughs> yes. I grew up with Dragon Ball and Sailor Moon. I think fight things I think fights should be fights but no you grew up in a different time and I respect it and it's a much more conventionally attractive time to be an anime fan. I before I give the gush I actually just want to bang out the synopsis right here right now because I always wait way too long. Death Note is a Japanese manga series written by Tsugumi Oba and illustrated by Takeshi Obata. The story follows Light Yagami, a teen genius who discovers an otherworldly notebook called the Death Note that grants the user the supernatural ability to kill anyone whose name is written in its pages. It belongs to the supernatural spirit Ryuk, who accompanies the kid. Oba attempts to take out anyone 
he did I say Oba light attempts to take out anyone he de- and Oba anyone he deems morally unworthy of life in the attempt to create a utopian society. And there is a Japanese police force led by a guy named L, uh, the other emo kid, who attempts to stop him using tennis, among other things. But I will say this. I came to it later as well, Jake. Uh, I watched it on Netflix with my lovely wife, Lexi. Uh, Lexi, not a huge big dime anime person, got really into it with me. Did really enjoy that psychological warfare. The tone is really fun. It's bizarrely funny as, as well. There's just there's a lot of charm to it. There's a lot of darkness. It has a bunch of different notes, and it is just very unique. I feel. I mean, in a way, in a way, it resembles JoJo. In a way, it resembles Hunter Hunter. In these certain, in the certain sense of setting up an elaborate set of rules and then having them. Figure mm-hmm. out ways around them, and 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 it's a just a battle of the of the brain. At its prime, it's like a JoJo or Hunter X Hunter fight that lasts a hundred episodes. Yeah, <laughs> it's and, like and one gigantic. Like yes. it's just one character with one set of rules. Well, we'll get into well, it. And they add more, and I will read off the rules. By the way, to be creepy and fun about it because it's Spooky Month. But I will say this. It's a very fun anime, and I think the reason what we just described is how it ended up in a weekly magazine and successful in that magazine. That is Weekly Shonen Jump, which is usually about battle anime, and this is not technically a battle anime. It's more of a thriller, suspense thriller type of work. But what we just spoke towards, I think, is why it works so well alongside those other works in in the magazine and why it worked so well for Lex and I at home. Really enjoyed that. When you have all these different different logic paths that you're playing with and intertwining and you've got this fun battle. And just like I said, I think the tone is so super fun, super dark and fun. I think that the character designs, especially Ryuk and the different uh, Shinigamis, the different uh, uh, death, death bringers, death gods are, are fantastic, really cool, gothic imagery, very different from a lot of things out there. I just, I really appreciate this. If you're listening to this, I, you, I'm almost guaranteed that you've watched Death Note before. It's one of the most iconic and popular anime series, especially in North America, of the 2000s. But if you're not, get on Netflix right now and watch the first two episodes. It's a yes, one-two punch. all you punch, need. And you need. it is some of the most intensely engaging storytelling in the history of anime. Mm-hmm. The introduction of Light... The introduction of his uh, antagonist, L, the very idea that this seemingly sociopathic nightmare being is our protagonist. Like, it's all laid out in such, like, a compelling and uh, oddly concise manner as you're accustomed to the rules, as you're accustomed to the reality of it. And you're, it's kind of the, the bonkers idea that you're following this, this idealized Japanese cool guy. This, you know, son of privilege, this son of wealth, this son of uh, prestige, this popular kid, this uh, high testing kid who is given a magical super killer book and immediately, like without hesitation, instead of being like, I'm going to get revenge on the bullies or being like, uh, you know, I'm going <laughs> to uh, get revenge for the mob boss that killed my dad or, you know, all the various ways that like this kind of shonen story could start. Just which is uh, a plot points in the live action Netflix movie, but go on. <laughs> Instead of doing that shitty thing, we have a character that just unblinkingly is like, "I'm going to do 
like social engineering through sheer force of will. I'm going to cleanse this earth of all violence and crime and I will destroy anyone who stands against me. And become a god and become a a god. uh, And that's our hero. That is the guy that we at once want to see get caught and at the same time feel thrilled every time he skirts his way out of trouble through his own wits and uh, abilities. And I think there's an argument to be made. I think people would not disagree with uh, the concept of eliminating certain people out there that are so evil in their eyes, and that is its own discussion, and it, it presents that discussion, and there's a bit of gray area to match the gray tone of so much of the show and the manga. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, that stuff is really fascinating, and especially in a world in which you have such obvious good guys and bad guys in, in terms of Weekly Shonen Jump, and in terms of these other anime TV series that it is placed up next to, it is refreshing, I think, to get that kind of a protagonist. Also, just if you really want to see some... 2000s era anime hair just real scene kid hair yes it's kind of like the rest of the show holds up pretty well uh but my god those haircuts on light and l are just like you can't escape it also considering uh just already the fact that this series takes place in like 2005 uh tokyo in which and like that level of crime and degradation is like unlivable according to light yagami <laughs> whereas yeah. like now in 2020 like how much more crazy would he have gone if he got the death note and know. also speaking towards l i i think again an antagonist that defies a lot of anime antagonists he's he's like a loner weirdo that makes other people uncomfortable and he's quiet and soft-spoken and he's he he, loves you treats. know he's sugar addicted and sits yeah, weird yeah rubbing his feet together which upsets me and and a just yeah sits feet. weird and he's kind of just not he's like Ugh, like he's not like a flashy villain or anything like that he's not a villain he he's trying to save the world from this fucking madman you know so yeah it's it's interesting at a certain point you start rooting for L more like more so than like sure and it's of uh, course and it, it creates some narrative tension later on in the series. Yes, absolutely. So let's do it. Let's get into it. Let's fall in love. And by that, I mean, let's talk about Death Note. Uh, here we go. To start, let's talk about our creators. Normally, we speak of one person. We speak of one mangaka when, when it comes to the creator of a, of a work. This is very different. A bit against the grain as well. I'm going to say, I guess I'm going to end up saying against the grain multiple times this episode. I think all of this kind of goes against a lot of the different... properties we've spoken about when it comes to manga and anime. But either way, Sugumi Oba, Japanese uh, Ginsakusha, if you're just a manga writer, you are a Ginsakusha, who uses his pen name, or this as a pen name. Their real identity is a closely guarded secret, much like Al. I bet this this person's a lot like Al. I bet they sit weird. What do you think, Oba? I think, uh, I I don't have a ton of sources, but I think I saw a, um interview with Obata where it's actually his style of sitting. Well, mm. I'm sorry, the artist Takeshi Obata yeah. uh, says that uh, oh, L is more like inspired by him. Well, that would make sense when we talk about the creative process in terms of how Obata ap- approaches design and how much freedom Oba gives Obata. And I have to say they with Oba because we do not know 
anything about this person enough to say even him or her or anything like that. There was one art book where in like the author bio, the pronouns for him was used. And so that's like the biggest hint so far. But if we're playing the Death Note game, then that must have been intentional to throw us off the path. And in fact, (laughs) that was a very smart and clever way to make us think that this person was a man when in fact secretly a woman and therefore we'll never find out either way the influences that are listed for oba include shotaro ishinomori who did cyborg 009 the first super powered hero team created in japan apparently according to my resources super sentai which was of course adapted to the power rangers in america if you Listen to the Power Rangers episode we did and Cayman Rider, which is just massive. Also, Fujiko Fujio, who is a manga writing duo as well. They are known for uh, Doraemon and Perman. And Fujiko Akatsuka, who has a large body of work in the comic manga department. A bunch of titles that just I had never even heard of, but it was just an absurd amount of great work uh, for uh, inspiration. Uh, I don't have a lot on Oba's life outside of their working process and things of that nature. Were you able to collect any any uh, in a lot of interviews? He was just kind of uh, you know uh, he was just kind of standoffish and just giving kind of lull answer. Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> uh, most of the clues about who he actually is leads to the idea that he was uh, a known author and uh, manga creator. But I don't know for sure. I like the mystery. I'm just going to keep the mystery. Right. I like it, too. And we have a little bit more on Obata. Obata is a little more open. Takeshi Obata loved drawing at a young age and loved also Cyborg 009, rereading it over and over again. And Obata did a one shot at just 16 years old called 500 Conan no Shinwa. This win, uh, won him the Tetsuka Award given out by the publisher Shuisha that did weekly Shonen Jump. We've talked about this Tetsuka Award in like every single <laughs> episode of Avigavaga. It is just like how you get known early on and get your start in the business. But you actually were able to dig up some interesting stuff about the career tra- trajectory of Obata. So, okay, we stop me if you've heard this one. Uh, kind of shy artist, uh, grew up in a... A city in Japan, and um, the real kind of twist to uh, this is Takeshi Obata, the artist. Yes, is that, we're going to have um, the worst time with this, by the way, this episode, so just bear with us. Is that he won the uh, Tezuka Award, which is this big, like, holy shit, you know, uh, rookie, think Rookie of the Year for manga creators. And this is the same... Uh, this is the same prize that, uh, you know, Yoshihiro Togashi did after, and he went on to make Yu Hakusho and Hunter x Hunter. This is the same one that uh, Takehiko Inoue made, and he made Slam Dunk and Vagabond. And, like, this is basically the golden key to a successful manga career. But fucking Obata had just the worst time of it, uh, breaking into it. So he's this prodigy. Like, which oddly mirrors kind of the uh, life of Light Yagami. You know, the doors were open for him, and yet something just kind of held him back. Uh, he had uh, a few works like Cyborg G-Chan G, which was uh, like Oji-chan, like Grandpa. It was basically a humor sci-fi manga series about a uh, a robot grandpa who fought crime. 
And immediately it was kind of apparent that like writing was his weakness, that he kind of fizzled out uh, once a storyline got going. And so his editors quickly started teaming him up with writers to kind of help him out because his art really did stand out. If you haven't, I don't know how else to describe it. There's a versatility to it, a, a lot of like lush detail in what he draws, like very attractive kind of anime characters with kind of an illustrator feel more so than just kind of the standard like pop shonen kind of uh, uh, style. Um, he had difficulty drawing uh, fight scenes, so he would always like kind of back away from just straight up battle mangas. But the talent was there, and he still, you know, he's a Tezuka Award winner, and he just has miss after miss. There's a uh, Arabian Nights themed uh, action called uh, Arabian Lamp Lamp that had a writer that was uh, done after a year. Um, just literally, just just failure after failure after failure to the point where he it's not you know he wins the award in you know 1985 and he doesn't have his first real hit until 1998 so that is a lot of time and a lot of time to be like kind of not living up to your promise he also has a style that i would say i would describe as slightly gothic as well and i think that that is perfect for death note but maybe not so much for a lot of other works that especially were super popular through the 90s wouldn't you say his breakthrough comes in 1998 with a series called Hikaru no Go uh, with a female writer named Yumi Hota and uh, a ton of kind of extra uh, expert consultant work from various Go players. I don't know if you, you know, Go, the kind of uh, Asian uh, strategy game. It kind of looks like Othello, but it's played very, very differently with the white it's, and black uh, it's, stones. It's... One of the most, it, it is the ultimate easy to learn, difficult to master. It is that classic game that was the final frontier in terms of AI with computers mm-hmm. uh, playing against Master Go players uh, sort of thing. It is it is an incredibly complex game uh, if you really get deep into it. And they made like, a uh, again, it was kind of a battle manga, right? Out of that? Yeah, it was uh, Obata's incredible ability to just like keep the action going and choose the right angles and the right expressions and the right uh kind of page layouts to keep what is a game of just two people sitting across from each other laying down little pedals uh pebbles on a wooden board to an extremely engaging uh shonen anime one that kind of exponentially increased the visibility and popularity of go it's like yes. if somehow i don't know the creators of pokemon uh, created a chess game, a chess anime that like just all of a sudden made eight-year-olds collecting their favorite bishops and pawns. I, that's a terrible analogy. <laughs> Delete it. <laughs> but I will, but I will say it is a perfect. Keep it, Mary. I will say it is a perfect. Uh, it is a perfect setup for Death Note, which is this contemplative game of wits where sometimes there is not a ton of action happening and it's all the action is all in the min, the mind games these two people are playing with each other and this particular illustrator is perfect for this it's it's with the gothic stylings the complex works the, I, I love that you brought up the angles the different camera angles that this illustrator chooses and uses to build tension and create really fascinating moments of conflict without necessarily a lot of action happening. Absolutely perfect dream team for what would become Death Note. 
Uh, it's with Hikaru no Go and then quickly followed up with Death Note, which, as we said, was uh, written by Tsugumi Oba, not his real name, uh, that kind of finally enshrined him into the upper echelon of uh, anime creators. He got the Tezuka Cultural Prize. He got the... Uh, he got the Shogakukan Mango Award. Like, he finally... He got uh, Eisner Awards in America. He finally got the recognition and, like, kind of the fulfillment of the prophecy that he had kind of started back when he was a literal teenager still in high school. Years later. Also, uh, he did the character designs for Castlevania Judgment, which that is... That makes so much sense. One of the... I mean, no, no. I mean, it does and it doesn't. Hold on. I don't know if you're aware of this. This is a Wii Castlevania fighting game. Oh, God. And well, I just mean that he would illustrate a Castlevania game because this shit looks so Castlevania-y. It's, so. You'd think that, but I'm just going to send you through the Discord uh, his version of Simon Belmont, and <laughs> it just looks like Swole Light Yagami. <laughs> it's just... That is amazing. I love it. I love his boots. Either that is way, not Simon Belmont, goddammit. I'm behind it 100%. Either way, going back to the initial stirrings of what would become Death Note, Oba wanted to create a suspense series because they didn't feel confident in their ability to create a fight-style manga and felt there were too, mi- too few, rather, suspense series out there. So he had a basic they had a basic concept involving Shinigami and specific rules that would play into the work. So it's the rules is the thing. And the concept of Shinigami is the thing that really sparked it. So let's talk about Shinigami for a moment, shall we? I love I love I love these little offshoots when learning about stuff like this. Shinigami are gods or supernatural spirits that invite humans toward death in certain aspects of Japanese religion and culture. So they're like the Japanese Grim Reaper, but they split off. They d- diverge quite a bit from the Grim Reaper concept. They're kind of more of a, like, a, just a pesky, mischievous, like, folk demon than, mm-hmm. like, any metaphorical avatar for, you know, death itself. Yeah, they're not necessarily coming for you in the dark, upsetting way that... They're not collecting souls in this way that the Grim Reaper has always been purported to be doing in, in folklore like yeah if the you know if if the grim reaper is literally with his scythe reaping the souls of man as we all must return to the earth shinigami is like um your shitty neighbor that steals your newspaper <laughs> off your front porch before you wake up in the morning but instead of your newspaper it's your remaining years of life force right and then they like put your email down instead of theirs when they <laughs> sign up for like a you know when they purchase something and it makes them give an email it's that kind of shit Mm-hmm. But either way, uh, Shinigami is a, the word is a composite of the Japanese word shi, meaning S-H-I, meaning death, and kami, meaning god or spirit. It entered folklore around the 18th or 19th century, which is on the late end, with many kami being around, uh, with, with many different Shinigami, or no, just kami, being around long before that as spirits of nature. But it actually first appeared as a Japanese puppet and in literature with a connection to evil spirits of the dead, spirits possessing the living, and double suicides. As opposed to the scary personification, as I mentioned with the Grim Reaper, Japanese folklore, it's, yeah, it's seen like uh, as uh, less as an individual and more as part of the natural cycle of life. It's regarded, they're regarded as agents. They're just trying to make sure everything's running smoothly, essentially. Mm. They're, they're not, they're middlemen, essentially. But either way, shall I read the rules of the Death Note, Jake, to bring us into the spooky season and mood? Are you ready for this? Okay. 
Here are the rules written in the in the Death Note. Um, don't get high on your own supply. <laughs> yeah, don't roll up Death Note papers. <laughs> uh, weed uh, using Death Note papers and smoking because it's just rude. That, there will be no real consequences. It's just a rude, shitty thing to do. I bet. Have you seen Ryuk? I bet that shit gets you blasted. <laughs> Oh my god, he does look fried out of his gourd. I would agree with that. Here we go. The human whose name is written in this note shall die. This note will not take effect unless the writer has the person's face in their mind when writing his or her name. Therefore, people sharing the same name will not be affected. If the cause of death is written within 40 seconds of writing the person's name, it will happen. If the cause of death is not specified, the person will simply die of a heart attack. After writing the cause of death, the details of the death should be written in the next 6 minutes and 40 seconds. 400 seconds, or approximately 6.66 minutes. The death note will not affect those under 780 days old. Which I thought was very interesting. So what, that's about, that's a couple years and change? Mm-hmm. Uh, a death note will be rendered useless if the victim's name is misspelled four times. If a death note is lost or stolen, the owner will lose ownership unless it is retrieved within 490 days. There are a bunch more secondary rules. These are revealed over time, such as when a human touches the death note, they can see the Shinigami. That's why only Light can see the Shinigami among some maybe other characters eventually if they happen to touch the death note. There's also the whole bargain where you can exchange half of your lifespan for a Shinigami's eyes, which will allow the person to see everyone's name and lifespan above their heads, which is, of course, obviously incredibly useful when operating a Death Note, but comes to a huge consequence. And I think I just want to set all this stuff out because if you haven't, A, it's fun to rehash if you do know the story, but B, if you don't know... This is really the fundamental basis for all of the happenings in the show. This is what dictates so many different actions and things and is manipulated in certain ways by light, is deduced in certain ways by L. And I think that's so much of the fun of it is watching L slowly eke out all the needed information in order to get to try to get to the bottom of who is who is uh, by the way, we should say who is uh, Kira which is the alias that Light goes under publicly, which means killer, correct? Uh, it's it's a, yeah, it's a, um, just a f- romanization, you know, because the L's and the R's get mixed up. So kill- killer becomes Kira. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So let's talk about this pilot. You want to get into this whole, the, the pilot, the, the surprise hit to all involved. So a lot of popular manga series start out as one shots, which are kind of taken as the pilot for a continuing series. Uh, one of the major things about Shonen Jump as a uh, manga publisher is that they do near 
constant popularity polls with its audience and mm-hmm. the rankings uh, of that dictate kind of the fates of the series in there. It's like a television show where all the nerds are the executives, a yeah. television network where all the nerds are the executives. So the first, uh, the first inkling, the first taste of Death Note appeared as a one shot in the pages of Shonen Jump. Uh, a lot of things are different. Yeah. Uh, First and foremost is uh, our protagonist, instead of Light Yagami, is Kagami Taro, who is only 13 years old, which is already, like, I know it's only, you know, four years, but it's definitely weird having a little kid, or not, you know, a relatively little kid be in possession of this killer notebook. This is Um, the part, and this, I will come up later with my critique on the Netflix movie. But this is the weird thing that manga and anime does, I feel like, a lot, where they have a person who technically is a kid, but they do in no way seem like a kid in the actual property. You know what I mean? Like, teenagers seem like they're in their 20s, and then you have to go, oh, no, wait, that's a teenager. (laughs) You have to remind yourself. And I feel like the live-action Netflix movie was like, yes, it's definitely a teenage kid that acts like a teenage kid. And this is like a weird high school movie, even though it should not be. So, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> Ryuk is pretty much the same, kind of uh, kind of aloof, kind of a goofball, kind of just pleasantly amused and kind of a familiar for our main character to bounce off of. But uh, the story begins with uh, young Taro uh, just finding the notebook on the literally on the street and thinking it's just a normal empty diary, just writes, uh, you know, today when I went to school, these guys bullied me. And the next day they die. <laughs> Uh, All of heart attacks simultaneously. The story kind of then goes on to uh, more and more people are dying. Uh, He's working with his, uh, you know, he's at first he's like, there's no way this works. And then he kind of writes more names down after he sees another classmate uh, get bullied and it keeps working. Ryuk uh, kind of introduces himself. A few of the rules are laid out. We see uh, policemen already, you know, the kind of terror of getting caught. The idea that, like, despite all of this mystic power, you could still get in trouble. But this is one of the most hilarious things. The concept is introduced in this pilot chapter of the Death Eraser, which is a standard uh, white rectangular plastic eraser. If you've ever been to, like, an Asian art supply store, uh, you'll recognize it immediately. It's kind of as ubiquitous as the mechanical pencil or the... This, the the Death Note itself is this like Japanese style like a uh, floppy uh, flat bound school notebook. School that, notebook, like, yeah. Does yeah. you know in America it would be either that like uh, marble kind of uh, notebook, composition. a composition notebook. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Marie. <laughs> or my personal favorite, a spiral bound five divider notebook uh, with folders in the dividers. They were but, originally going to make but it yeah, so that. But yeah, the death eraser. I'm sorry, the death eraser was introduced, and if. Uh, and by erasing names in the death note, assuming the body hadn't been cremated, the people killed would just come back to life as if nothing happened, which, like, I guess gives um, a little bit of culpability, like ass covering. So like, it's not like these third, you know, this 13 year old kid is just murdering people straight up. He's just temporarily making them go away. I don't right. know doesn't quite work as well also to, to go back to your notebook thing the originally it was supposed to be 
of its time. So let's say it was like back in the Renaissance era, it would be like a scroll. Or if it was, you know, it was it was going to have changed forms depending on who possessed it and how. But that that was also thrown out the window early on as well. The point is, if you had made it not an innocuous piece of ubiquitous uh, school or office supplies and instead made it a spooky leather-bound book with weathered pages, that would be dumb. That would ruin (laughs) some of the appeal of it. It's a good Mm. thing. There's only one property that did that, which is the American live-action Netflix movie. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, a little walk behind the scenes as well. So Oba goes to Shuisha, who is the publisher of Weekly Shonen Jump, with two concept ideas. And the Death Note concept was received well by the editors as one of the two ideas. He ends up getting the pilot story into one chapter of the manga, what which was incredibly difficult for Oba. And I think you'll know why if you read in it, like, chapter one. Oba, it took a month for them to just begin writing the chapter, putting it all together in their mind, making sure that they could actually tell this story. It's it's anti-Dragon Ball. It is, it is, where Dragon Ball just is so slow to, to get to, to action a lot of times and, and really makes you kind of wait for it and get to it. Oba just throws it all at you as fast as possible and even spoke towards, I don't know if, I'll, maybe I'll end up on this quote later, I can't remember if I put it in my notes, but even spoke towards they just get so excited when they have these concepts and ideas mm-hmm. and they can't wait to just get it all out there. So they end up packing it into one single chapter of a manga, whereas many other mangaka would 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 draw it out for several issues. They just like, no, no, no. And then this and then this and this happens and this whole thing turns upside down. And I do really love that because that pacing, you feel it in in the show. You feel it when you read it. It is such a it is such a, an important focus on the economy of words and the economy of a single chapter of of one of these things, which I think is really fantastic. So Oba and Obata's editor at Shuisha is named Koji Yoshida. And Koji Yoshida is a key player in this whole situation. Koji takes Oba's rough draft of the pilot chapter to Obata to draft up and actually told them they did not need to meet in person while creating the pilot. And this is a fundamental part of their working relationship. They end up uh, d- not meeting until way later, I think after even the first uh, at the first volume or, or the first issue chapter rather came out. Yoshida felt Obata was a perfect fit because of the many things we discussed earlier. He was the puppeteer behind all these things uh, in a big way. And initially, Obata heard of this, quote, horror story featuring Shinigami and decided he wanted to draw it. But he wasn't big on the rough draft at first. Instead, still kept, wanted to just keep working on it because he dug the Shinigami element. I'm sure it was a great excuse for them to create awesome looking monsters and like that. It was just a dark work and suited his style. Uh, he was all, he, he too was concerned the jump fans much like Oba was concerned about this would not be super into this because there's not a ton of action necessarily. And the main character quote, doesn't really drive the plot. Oba felt there was no way this manga would get approved for serialization after the, the pilot chapters released in Shonen Jump, Especially since Jump, of course, specializes in Dragon Ball Z, Hunter Hunter, like we said. And he cannot believe that this work is approved for for an extended run. I cannot stress enough how much Taro is completely unlike Light Yagami in the uh, pilot chapter. It really does. He finds the notebook, discovers the consequences of it, then like 
we followed the police. We have Ryuk explain for it. Like there's, just, he's kind of in the back seat while the plot, mm-hmm. while the consequences of him using the Death Note kind of propel him forward. As opposed to Light in the full series, where the second he gets it, he just immediately is like, "I will become the god of this new world." <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It really, it's refreshing to see that in a lot of ways. Like I, I will say, it, it definitely. I think that's what hooks so many people in to that initial couple of episodes because you're like, "Oh, shit's happening! So much shit has happened. Hundreds of people have died. We, we're not even 15 minutes into the episode. <laughs> Hundreds of people have died, and our characters are like." thinking out loud in a very deliberate way where like they're openly trying to poke holes in the rules and trying to exploit uh, the, you know, the upper limits of what can be accomplished within the very simple rules that are laid out. It's kind of, you know, it feels like Light Yagami is speed running reality. Yeah. In those first (laughs) few episodes. That's a fucking awesome way to describe it, Jake. Well, now it is time for my favorite part, and that's the working process. That's their approach to the work now, baby. I want to talk about their working process now uh, uh, for a single, let's say, chapter of the manga. Uh, I think it's very fascinating, especially because much like the work is unorthodox in this field, their working process is so unorthodox compared to every other person or group of people I've studied putting out this type of thing. So... The most interesting thing immediately is Oba does not tell Obata how to draw the characters. Obata reads Oba's script, uses it as a foundation to create what he sees when he reads it. Oba will give some notes to Obata on his illustrations, but for the most part, sticks with what Obata sends him. Loves his work, uh, 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 honestly, apparently. And it's a mutual thing as well. So, And a lot of times what Obata creates and sends back to Oba that actually will affect how he creates the character uh, or writes the character rather. And so they inform each other on these things. Oba said the character's internal details, like Light being an outstanding student or his methodical personality, I write all that into the script itself. Their faces, hairstyles, visual things like that, I don't really direct those much at all. I leave the art up to Obata-sensei. Actually, counter to what you'd expect, I think it's more common for the characters to solidify after I have him draw them for me. This is a great example. For example, I left the physical appearances of the eight members of the Yotsuba group to Obata-sensei. To be perfectly honest, in the rough draft of the script, they were little more than character sketches. However, when I saw his illustrations, I started thinking, now this man looks like he might be the type to do this, and so on. I got a better sense of who the characters were, and it opened up a lot of possibilities for dialogue. New directions to take things in. And all this is to say is they, as much as they have Yoshida, who is the middleman who is going between the two of them, they're not really communicating with each other very much at all, which is so bizarre to me. According to popular, according to many interviews, the first time they actually met face to face was at a Shonen Jump editorial party mm-hmm. a year after the manga had started publishing. So weirdly, they become their own editors passively in this bizarre way like they end up informing each other's work in this in this interesting way while separate from each other so it initially all starts out with oba working out the plot as an internal visualization while drinking tea on his bed or strolling around his house in a relaxed state he would also reread the and this makes so much sense if you know the work he would reread the previous handful of chapters very carefully in order to keep the story consistent in order to follow the rules He also works from the end of the chapter first, 
and the content second. Oba said, I first decide how far into the larger storyline I can get in one chapter and write a draft that punches ahead to that point. I use this process because I want lots of development so the readers can stay excited about the storyline. Again, makes so much sense knowing that. And I love that the idea is like, how fucking far can I take this in a single chapter? Which again, I feel like is the opposite of what so many creators of a lot of things do, but especially mangaka, they want to draw it all out because they you know they they want to keep being able to publish work and and have content to put out uh, as opposed to running to the end of the idea which i love that obama uh, uh, i almost said obama <laughs> that oba does uh, let does me be that. clear uh <laughs> if you write the name within six minutes and 40 seconds you can determine the time of death and the method uh you cannot force them to violate the laws of physics or do things that they would not normally do I miss you so much. I miss you so much, Obama. <laughs> uh, folks, the Death Note is a weapon of destruction <laughs> and must not be put into the wrong hands. Well. Which is why I've drone striked the entire high school of Nigata right. Prefecture. Okay, Obama, I'm done with you now. I don't miss you anymore. <laughs> then Oba, after that, creates thumbnail nails and incorporates dialogue, panel layout, and basic drawings. So he does send Obata like some basic-ass drawings. There's a focus on just making sure that the text, as I mentioned before, the economy of words, so important. It has to be as concise as possible. There's so much dialogue, too, in, in, in his work because there's so much to explain to, get, to be able to set these, like, house of cards up to make it all fall down eventually. So, so it, it's so meticulous. The meticulousness is another thing in the uh, manga and, by extension, the anime that makes it super compelling where... Uh, just everything is up for grabs and everything needs to be kind of talked out by the characters that we're following. There's a mm -hmm. really uh, elaborate thing early on in the series where uh, we just have a in-depth in explanation with diagrams of the contraption light builds in his desk drawer to make sure that uh, his family doesn't stumble upon the death note. And it never comes up again. It never gets activated. <laughs> mm -hmm. But still, uh, just to gain insight to our character's thought processes. Uh, another, uh, there's a really famous uh, chapter where Light has to um, kind of get the name of a, a woman who is like threatening to blow up his, you know, get, uh, give the police clues to his identity. But she doesn't realize she's talking to Kira himself. And uh, there's just an entire page dedicated to him freaking out because he's like, oh, fuck, my phone's on. Shit, if my phone rings right now and it's like my dad, she'll talk to my dad and then I'll get dis and like that'll I can't do shit. What will I do? I know I'll turn off my phone. That way I won't get a phone call. And like just every single step of our character's logic and thought process is breathlessly reported so that we're in their heads it's yeah. so intense so when obata gets this work initial work from oba that's when obata nails down the expressions camera angles creates the final artwork and it's it's pretty much done uh, what's amazing is that uh, another th interesting thing too before i get to the the this factoid obata uh, actually purposely asks the editor uh, purposely does not ask the editor about Oba's plot developments instead of opting to wait to receive it via thumbnails every week to be as as in the moment with the story as possible. And then whenever o Oba would ask the editor, Yoshida, if Obata said anything about the story, Yoshida would always respond, no, 
nothing. <laughs> never had a note. Never had anything to say to, to, to take Oba off track or, or give edits or anything. Just totally went with it. So, so yeah, and even the final chapters, that was the case. Spoke nothing towards it ahead of time, just got the work done. And uh, Opa claims the details had been set from the beginning. However, he did briefly consider the idea of L defeating Light, but instead went with the, quote, yellow box warehouse ending, was the name that they referred to as the ending. Mm. So the manga is first published in Weekly Shonen Jump in December 1st of 2003, rather, and went on to run for 108 chapters, which are collected into 12 separate Tankoban. The first English-language volume was released in North America in October 2005, and the issues were licensed by uh, Viz Media. There's also, this is a really cool resource if you're curious about more behind-the-scenes stuff for Death Note. There's also Death Note 13, How to Read, this con- contains profiles for almost every named character in the series. It also has creator interviews, behind-the-scenes info for the series. Then there's, uh, so there's also, if you just want the whole thing right now, there's the all-in-one edition. It consists of 2,400 pages in one book. It's kind of like, probably feels like reading Bone or something like that. And then lastly, there's a special one-shot released in February of 2020. Shall we talk about the anime? Yes, because I feel like even though the manga is a incredible accomplishment and a wonderful kind of standout work in 2000s manga, the impact of the anime is just that much more profound. Mm-hmm. So uh, animation was uh, farmed out to uh, Madhouse, which is one of the big, uh, you know, kind of animation houses in japan you know second or you know up there along with bones they've done movies they've done uh you know some of my favorite movies actually uh perfect blue paprika mm-hmm. um they did the first season of one punch man which is we've breathlessly talked about uh how amazing the animation is in that um they are also responsible for the first season of beyblade um not my cup of tea but whatever uh <laughs> the director uh, behind all this is a guy named uh, Tetsuro Araki, yes. who uh, later went on to direct for Attack on Titan and Iron Fortress of the Cabinary, which is kind of amazing because uh, those are two of the most intense action animes of all time, known for like hyper use of like really quick cuts and like frantic a- action that is still readable on screen. Like Araki's director style really like just puts a lot of information and helps you keep track of a lot of moving parts uh, in these very elaborate action series. But when in use in the anime is kind of creates all these memeable moments. Um, the series was uh, broadcast in uh, on Nippon television, but it was also one of the first animes ever to be simulcast for North American audiences as well. You could, um, yep. It was this, early kind of download to rent service uh, available through IGN of all places. It was called direct to drive. Uh, And so the same time the anime was airing, you could get it with subtitles in America. Um, But the fact that the American audience had access to it very early on uh, meant that it kind of dominated anime internet culture. So, so many scenes uh, were just became instant memes and instant classics. Uh, the voice cast also, like, uh, for the dub is also super iconic. Uh, that's probably what most people are familiar with. If that's 
how it aired on Adult Swim back in the day. Um, let me, can I double? While you pull that up, I will also say another team member of note on this project is Masaru Katao, who mainly is a key animator and animation director, but won a lot of praise and awards for her character designs for Death Note, the anime. And she also served as animation director for the project. Okay. So it started airing, uh, with the dub, um, in 2007 in North America, and that voice cast, uh, Brad Swale, I believe is the name of Light. Um, there's just so much amazing moments that became instant memes online. Uh, one, obviously, so these iconic, because not a lot happens in the show. It is like just kind of this small circle of people kind of tr- just trying to outwit each other and outmaneuver each other. But the insanely, uh, the insane chorus music that plays whenever light is triumphant or the just swooping camera angles that Araki puts in to kind of mimic the intense close-ups of the action on the manga page results in stuff like, uh, Mary, you're going to have to play the, this one, uh, clip. I'll take a potato chip and eat it. <laughs> I'm so happy you brought that up. Just watch me, Al. I'll solve equations with my right hand and write names with my left. I'll take a potato chip and eat it. (laughs) As well as uh, Kira's laugh and, you know, just all these insanely intense moments that should not be epic just become so larger than life thanks to the production values of the anime and the intense... Just 100% uh, no-winking performance of the English dub that just inevitably burned its way into the into our hearts and minds. There's also the music. The soundtrack was composed by uh, Yoshihisa Hirano, who studied at the Juilliard School in America back in the early 90s, and whose other works include orchestrations for Final Fantasy XIII and the soundtrack for Hunter x Hunter. It's also composed by Hideki Taniuchi, and the first opening, these opening and ending mm. songs are great. And the first one uh, is done, the opening and ending is done by a Japanese band called Nightmare with their songs The World and Alumina. They are described as a visual Kai rock band. And uh, that is all to say it's like the Japanese equivalent of glam rock. They have wild costumes and androgyny. They look rad. It in, makes sense as because uh, at around that time in the 2000s, uh, Visual K bands were having a resurgence in Japan and oddly enough, even more so like in America and uh, in Europe and South America, it was kind of this like otherworldly art form that just was, you know, kind of one of the first crossover music hits for the modern weeb uh, cultural movement, I guess. Uh, a lot of things like uh, the designs of the Shinigami, especially Ryuk, the hairstyles of mm-hmm. L and uh, Light are all very, very, very influenced by Visual K. Then you have the second opening and ending themes. These are done by Maximum the Hormone, a Japanese heavy metal band. And it rips. That is the most, I feel like, I think, I think they need openings. to hear it. I think the yeah, people yeah. need to hear this. Mary, please. please play some of that Maximum the Hormone second opening. It 
It is it nuts. Like, I have never seen an anime open like that ever before. That is so fucking cool. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But either way, the anime, big hit. I don't know if I have much more to say about that specifically. We have uh, a bunch of other stuff too because there's a lot of death note stuff guys there's a lot of death note stuff the <laughs> i just wanted just as the legacy of the anime kind of is felt throughout um I, it really does have that same kind of golden pedestal place alongside 90s shows like dragon ball and uh sailor moon for the younger generation of anime fans that it grew up in this era uh just you know scrolling through tiktok on any given day uh, there'll be like all these memes that refer back to Death Note. Um, stuff like uh, I, I, I don't know what the crossover is of TikTok users and our podcast, but <laughs> that like musical cue is used in so many TikToks where someone's trying to contemplate and make a tough decision. The uh, the SoundCloud, well, not the SoundCloud rapper, but the uh, hip hop artist uh, Savage Gasp has a song called Pumpkin Scream in the Dead of Night, which has an iconic line uh, where he says, uh, let me grab my death note. Mary, if you could play that. And I don't text hoes. I'll just send them out like Scarecrow. And I don't even really want to feel a shit. If Gami told me kill him, I said, let me grab my death note. That has shown up a lot in TikToks. Like, like Death Note is part of the uh, Gen Z weeb vernacular at this point. It's almost like bigger than anime culture. Hell yeah. Even uh, US- UFC fighter uh, Israel Adesanya, uh, d- before one of his biggest matches, pointed at uh, his opponent, took out a fake, like a, my- a pantomime Death Note from his back <laughs> pocket and acted like he was writing his name down. Like, it is just in the culture. Yeah, and I think, too, just before we move on from the anime, I think it also works for non-heavy anime fans, such as my wife, because mm-hmm. it just it's 37 episodes, and it's totally done after that. Its pilot brings you in immediately. It's just got a lot going for it in the sense of being able to just pick up and play and not have to, you know, and it's not a massive, massive commitment, and, it, and it's very, you know, it's... As weird as it is, it has a logic to it that I feel like is tangible for non-anime fans. The introduction of L with the Lind L. Taylor stunt and then the revelation of what he could learn from that one incident is yeah. such a fucking mic drop, it's holy great. shit, I am in moment. It's, it's great. One of the best moments in anime. So let's talk about very briefly the video games. There's Death Note Kira game for the N- Nintendo DS which is similar to the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney games. There's like an investigation phase and then a voting phase. You're trying to, you're either Kira or L trying to deduce who your enemy is. And then 
there's you 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 end up voting people off or whatever like that. Dangon Rumpa. Yeah, as well. a visual novelly investigative type game on the DS, which makes a lot of sense because the DS is great for that sort of thing. There's also uh, th- that game got a sequel as well. Then there's L, the prologue to Death Note, Spiraling Trap, which was the has the player taking on the role of a rookie FBI agent trying to exit a strange hotel with the help of L over an in-game PDA. I get why there's not a ton of Death Note note games. I think it would be difficult to contrive a Death Note video game out of what the surface, the the source material is. Um, L, uh, I'm sorry, not L. uh, Light Yagami shows up in Jump Force as a non-playable character with Ryuk. Mm -hmm. Um, You can watch the cutscenes online. I just remember a fun moment where uh, it's implied that Luffy can see Ryuk because he's just so cool. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. The, the, now we talk. All right. Next is the Japanese live action films. And I'm going to apologize. I was not able to watch all of the Japanese uh, live action films. That was the one thing that slipped through the cracks for me. I even was forced by Jake during the study session on Sunday to watch the musical. So I'm good on that. We'll talk about okay, that in a little right, bit. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Before. Okay. So you want to do the musical now? Okay, let me let me go on my grand tirade. Um, <laughs> so the live action movies, which I remember seeing at a Fathom event in two thousand six, oh, with a couple of uh, my college anime friends that I was still in contact with in the DC area. Um, it was one of the first like big public anime fandom events that I remember like walking out into and um at one point one of my friends stood up and screamed at the back of the room for fuck's sake stop embarrassing yourselves because people were just like screaming at the screen whenever l was on on the fucking screen. why because l is is bay l is my sweet baby boy <laughs> l, l is, is my sugar sugar brother i thought you didn't like beyblade though l is beyblade <laughs> l is beyblade um <laughs> The movies were massive hits in Japan. They actually, uh, what was it? They like knocked out uh, some like big American hit. Where's I? I didn't write it down. Whatever. Just I'll just say. uh, Oh, they knocked out the Da Vinci Code from uh, the top spot. Oh wow. Uh, uh, The uh, the second movie is Death Note: The Last Name, which kind of wraps up the series. Mm Uh, and it actually has a very different ending than um, the anime or the manga does. So if you if you have a weird taste in your mouth from the uh, actual ending, maybe the Japanese live action movie will assuage you a little All bit. Right. There's also um, real quick directed by both of those are directed by Shisuke Kaneko, who uh, it appears got his start doing a lot of trauma style erotic comedies uh, in Japan early on, which was a lot of fun. I think it was a, a, a sexy tennis movie, I believe, was his first movie. <laughs> so that was interesting. It's a very 2000s live action Japanese anime adaptation. Yep. So take with that what you will. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know, like trying to rewatch it now as I attempted uh, this week. It really is hard to kind of it, it's just, you know, everything from the production values to the campiness to just the very 2000s fashion and uh, pacing. Just, I just couldn't quite get into it. But the point is, the point is that it was extremely popular in Japan and Warner Brothers had a stake in its production along with uh, a production company called Hori Pro. Gotcha. And um, 
So Warner's going to come into play when we get to the Netflix movie is what you're right. setting up. Also, I will say, I just want to throw it out there. I'm sure it can be done, but I feel like this particular series is like terrible for film adaptation. Just the whole thing of it. I, I think it could be be a good uh, like prestige TV show, but I don't just see how you can take what makes this show so good and push it into an hour and a half to two hour film. It just does not click with me. Well, so, yeah. in the Japanese adaptations, uh, two cute anime, I'm sorry, two cute Japanese men with uh, trendy haircuts just kind of staring at each other did work for its intended audience. <laughs> that is true. Then you have L Change the World. It was a spin-off film released in 2008 in Japan. It follows an original storyline, takes place during the events of Death Note 2, and has L taking on a case involving a bioterrorist group, during which L finds himself with a plucky young sidekick. Bit of a, a temple of doom, if you will, for the franchise. So, as is very common in uh, Japanese media, uh, along with the live-action film, uh, Hori Pro, the production company, uh, licensed and uh, kind of uh, got the ball rolling on a live-action stage production, which usually takes the form of a musical. You can find trailers online. There's, like, a Bleach musical, a Naruto musical, like, pretty much every major uh, anime mass media property has some kind of live stage production. But usually they're kind of hokey and usually for kids kind of a... Um, more of a Disney on ice than a like actual like attempt at legitimate theater. <laughs> but with the Death Note live action uh, stage production, they went in a weird direction. They actually hired real Broadway uh, composers to create the score book and lyrics for this show. I will say, so you're talking about uh, the guy who has a hilarious name for a person who writes scores for musicals. What's his name? John Windhorn. Uh, Frank Wildhorn, who Frank Wildhorn. Uh, famously uh, composed uh, Jekyll and Hyde, which if you are a weird theater kid... I refuse well, to hear the word TikTok again come out of your mouth, Jake. I refuse. I'll live inside you forever. No! <laughs> the fucking kids love Jekyll and Hyde. I can't stop it. <laughs> Why is TikTok coming up? Eight times over in this damn episode, Jake. Release because me. The gen, because Death Note is a formative <laughs> anime for Gen Z, and Gen Z is on fucking TikTok, Holden. I and will... I'm just reporting the facts. <laughs> I am a cultural mirror, and you must witness the reflected horror in we're, my face. We're doing, like, Gone with the Wind next week or something, just to avoid all mention of TikTok. But either we way... Should, we have to find the most boomer-ass topic to just to <laughs> antidote this. Uh, but but real quick, John Winhorn, uh, or Frank Winhorn, Wildhorn, rather. I'm going to just call him John Winhorn because I don't care anymore. Uh, he class Basically, was not necessarily going to do it, but his, I believe his son got mm -hmm. him to do it, which is a popular trope, I feel like, in, uh, in, in these episodes, where it's just the kid was like, just do it, it's cool. So the musical is written in English and then, lo and then translated to Japanese and Korean, and there's been several uh, Japanese productions, one in 2015, one in 2017, one in, tw one actually this year in 2020 that toured the country. Uh, but there exists recordings of uh, a workshop that was held before the premiere of the Japanese musical, and it's entirely in English, and it actually has uh, like kind of a established cast of Broadway performers, uh, Jeremy Jordan, uh, Adrian Warren, 
uh, Jared Spector, Eric Anderson, all these people playing these, uh, you know, these anime characters. And it is so 2000s Broadway, you know, like I just I'm, I can't stop thinking about like a world where instead of just all these kids like uh, getting obsessed with Hamilton or Dear Evan Hansen, instead, they're just like, all right, th- OK, here's here's just one track. Uh, Mary, if you can uh, really get to the meat of uh, Stalemate, which is a uh, kind of think of like a Les Mis Javert Valjean like showdown song between L and Light. Right. Uh, this one played, I think, during the they did an onstage tennis scene. Uh, Mary, please play this and just like you gotta get on board with this. Can we be done with the musical? I okay, gotta wait, get but out of also, here. Also, <laughs> Ryuk has a song, oh, and it's okay. like pure Disney villain song. Uh, this is uh, this is the actor who played Ryuk uh, playing, uh, singing Kira, and mm, it's delicious. Uh, Mary, just some of that. Kira, Kira, your brand new name, the master's No, he's late, you got me playing his dangerous game. Oh, I'm done with it, Jake. I'm over okay. it. Okay, I hear you, <laughs> but if you could also just get to the butt rock anthem of uh, the final showdown between uh, Light and L called um, Playing His Game, just the real, just find the, just, it's pure butt rock section of this song. I look through his eyes and see what he sees, and then I walk in his shoes as long as it takes to deep in my bones. I'm sure he is one and the same as the me who is playing his game. There was also a live action web mini series called Death Note New Generation. It is a sequel to Death Note 2. It picks up the story from the original manga and anime after that big climax. And yes, I am pretending as if we never spoke of the musical and that I, it does not exist. Uh, you can actually find it on YouTube. Someone <laughs> took whole, bootleg footage of the Japanese half, production. It is two and a half hours long, by the way. It is no joke, bro. It's a Broadway musical about Death Note. <laughs> Someone took the full uh, bootleg footage of the Japanese production, added subtitles to the dialogue, and then spliced in the audio from the English recording. And you can watch it in its entirety on YouTube. And I feel like anybody who truly was there, who truly lived in that 2000s anime world, needs to witness it with their own eyes and ears. So the, also the final live action Japanese thing Death Note, Light Up the New World. It serves as a sequel to those original two Japanese live-action movies. It tells a version of the story after that big climax in the anime and manga that we won't spoil if you haven't seen it before, but you know what we're talking about if you know what we're saying. One of the great things about Death Note is that, honestly, the idea that, you know, Shinigamis can just drop this powerful thing randomly throughout the world and all sorts of stories could be told through that is one of the things that I think make it really compelling. Mm -hmm. Um, They've done, uh, since the manga ended, they've done sequel chapters. Uh, One came out really recently that uh, was kind of fascinating. It actually involved a kind of, I don't know how to, it involves a character named Minoru Tanaka, 
And it's a one-shot chapter, kind of reads more like a graphic novella. Mm. And it is an insanely different take on a Death Note kind of story, even though it still has Ryuk and it has all the rules and it has everything else. But, like, in the hands of a different character, a totally different story can be told. It's actually kind of amazing. And I should mention the four-panel cartoony things that they did as well, just a levity one. They did some four-panel, like stuff that is a lot of fun uh like chibi kind of looking stuff but either way before we get into shitting on the netflix movie uh just really quickly you know whenever there's an edgy kind of dark concept property like this there's gonna be a little controversy so here we go let's talk about the way the death note had an effect uh, on different parts of the world and and the parents of those different parts of the world who are very concerned about their children the book has been banned in China due to students altering notebooks to look like death notes, then writing in them the names of acquaintances, enemies, and teachers in their books. And then there's also a hearing that was held in New Mexico uh, in the U.S. to ban to ban the books in schools. This was actually unanimously voted down. That's nice. There was actually a murder in Belgium uh, that oh turned- the manga murders. Yes, turned up with I Am Kira written in Latin nearby back in 2007. The uh, four people connected to the murder were arrested finally in 2010. Then you have the stuff in the U.S. In South Carolina on in March uh, 2008, school officials seized a death note notebook from a Hartsville Middle School student. The notebook listed seven students' names. It was the product of two sixth-grade boys who were arrested and later suspended. Then there was another incident in Gig Harbor, Washington, in which one middle school student was expelled and three others suspended for having a death note with 50 names written in it, including former President George W. Bush. Back in 2008, there are similar instances after that, including one in Sydney, Australia, which was more likely to be a real problem as it had details for bomb placements at the school. So that was the only one that I was like, oh, okay, they should be expelled and maybe arrested. The other ones, not so much, I feel like. It was also an issue in Oklahoma, Michigan and Pennsylvania, where uh, the student, uh, or the one in Pennsylvania, the student wrote several students' names, as well as famed pop musician Justin Bieber. So Justin, watch the out. The most 2000 story is so a funny. edgy, pissed off kid making a fake death note and writing Justin Bieber's name in it and getting expelled. Look for, up for the being... news stories on this stuff because it's hilarious. Look up which one was the one you showed us in the study session. Do you remember where that was located at? You don't. It's OK if you don't. I'd have to look it up. But if you look, if you do a very easy uh, YouTube search, you'd be able to find several it's news reports of so spooked funny. out parents. It's just great. like looking confused at a black notebook with the words death note written on it in like a whiteout pen. With the reporter going, it appears the kid, the kid had a death note, a notebook that allows you to write the name, like, like lines out, lays out all the rules <laughs> from the anime. It's so funny. Uh, I found one guy on YouTube named Jed So, who uh, just is tells the story of how he was a you know, a scene kid in the 2000s and got expelled from school because a teacher found his death note Ugh. that had the teacher's name in it. <laughs> that is so funny to me. But either and way... he seems fine now. I'm he sure he's fine. fine. And I'm sure those other kids were probably fine except for the one that had details of bomb placements. That's, that one's definitely the fishy one. Either way, Jake, we've made it. We've made it to the... I'm going to say the final destination of this episode because I feel like all the deaths in this movie were very final destination-y. We've made it to the Netflix 
Death, Death Note, Note Death Note. Yeah, exactly. It started out, uh, as you mentioned before, Warner Brothers involved in those live-action Japanese movies. Like, what? These are a big hit. This is great. And they end up cycling through a bunch of different directors. I think Guy Ritchie was at one point attached, but they finally land on Adam Wingard. And that is where we get to the part where I'm sad to criticize this film. I'm a big Adam oh, Wingard they fan. they got through, before that, it was uh, Shane Black, who yep. was kind of living high on the hog uh, at this point uh, after Iron Man 3 and a bunch of other hits. And uh, he, in public, kept talking about bumping heads with Warner Brothers over changes to the Death Note. Uh, plot that they wanted to implement. They wanted uh, Light to be a good guy. They wanted to get rid of Ryuk. Yeah. They wanted to, you know, just completely change the story. Um, which, like, I could... Well, we'll get into it, but, like, this, you could have done an American Death Note movie and just told a different story. Because, like I said before, True. the idea of being handed this terrible power and what you would do with it is fascinating. And you can tell all sorts of different stories. But, like, trying to tell the same story about the, a guy named Light yeah. killing people in the exact same way and then fucking up all the details that made it compelling is yes, just not the way to do it. Gus Van Sant was attached to this before Adam Wingard. I, I am so sad about the Adam Wingard connection because I love his movies, Your Next and The Guest, and he's a fantastic director, and I think he just got lost in the, in the mix here with all, all this going on. I mean, but, by that, yeah, it's, uh, you know... The story of like Hollywood just kind of picking out indie directors that they know they can boss around yeah. and then leaving them to hang on the shit that they leave them with yeah. after the fact is classic tale. Is tale. Time. So either way, just a couple of days before they were to go into pre-production, Warner puts the movie in turnaround, which essentially means Adam could shop it around to different studios if he wanted, and the studio could buy it from Warner Bros. Ne it, it, that This actually leads to a bidding war. It, 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 a lot of people want it. Netflix ends up taking the bait. They were just getting into that larger budget film biz that they're now much more known for. And the casting included Nat Wolf as Light. He'd done a lot of romantic comedies previously, as well as musicals. He's a trained singer. Margaret Don't forget the Naked Brothers band for Nickelodeon. That's right. Margaret Qualley plays Mia Sutton. She's best known for HBO's The Leftovers. She's really great on that show. Lakeith Stanfield is known for so many awesome roles. He's in Get Out. He's in Sorry to Bother You. I think he does actually a pretty solid job of portraying Elle. Everyone was so pissed off at the initial, uh, like, the, the, you know, production photos that came out because, yes, he doesn't look like L and he wears, like, a, a neck gaiter and he, a hoodie and it's, you know, it's on, on paper, you're like, oh, that's not L. But he but does that character. He, he, he does. He really it. delivers. He's, like, one of the standout performances of this, mm -hmm. uh, of this movie. As well, I, I, think Willem Dafoe is perfect casting for real. Literally perfect. Literally <laughs> the perfect, like there is no single, I, I'm going to say this right now, uh, including Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. There is no piece <laughs> of pop culture adaptation casting as perfect as Willem Dafoe as Ryuk. And by the way, it they is. got they got like a seven foot tall guy to be the actual physical element of Ryuk and Willem Dafoe. They just did motion capture and to just on just his face and, and, and obviously recorded his voice for it. So that's how they put all that together. I 100 percent agree with you, Jake. And though the casting is quite diverse, there is a notable lack of Asian cast members. This, of course, gets heat for whitewashing. Uh, there were a couple of statements made. Producers Roy Lee and Dan Lin gave a non-statement. 
Our vision of Death Note has always been to introduce the world to this dark mysterious masterpiece, blah, 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 blah. Uh, a universal theme, knows no racial boundaries, yada, yada, yada. I don't even want to read the whole thing. It's such, so, such dribble. Wingard said this. It's one of those things where the harder I try to stay 100% true to the source material, the more it just kind of fell apart. You're in a different country, you're in a different kind of environment, and you're trying to also summarize a sprawling series into a two-hour-long film, which, by the way, ended up being just an hour and 40 minutes. For me, it became about what do these themes mean to modern-day America, and how does that affect how we tell the story? I think there's an aspect to this film that is very American, in the sense that we're a country that always seems to think we're number one, and that it's our responsibility to police the world. Which I am into that sentiment, but I think you're right, Jake. I think they didn't diverge enough. They didn't Americanize it almost enough to make so, it work. L, so Light Yagami is literally the ideal upper-class Japanese teenager. He's popular, fashionable, studious, uh, rich, comes from a well-connected family. He's like the perfect boy to perfect, you know, he was, he was literally, the entire society is built around propping up this kid to be the future leader of the world. And the, you know, horror twist in the original Death Note is, of course this kid, being raised in so much like privilege and, and uh, you know, kind of prestige, would immediately be like, yes, of course, I was meant to be a god. And that's <laughs> like something, and uh, the, having L be this like, British international kind of uh, world power clashing with him uh, is kind of this, you know, idea of Japanese self-determination versus international meddling and like uh, the ideals of all, you know, there's all this like really deep seated symbolism and psychology going into that conflict. And then as soon as you start kind of swapping out pieces and ship of Theseusing uh, the character of light. So now he's like a pissed off bullied kid. And he's like, uh, you know, he's not particularly patriotic and he's just mad at his dad because now he was like, you know, they introduced the idea that his mom was killed by a mob boss. Like all these things just create this bizarre kind of non character that doesn't actually make sense or represent anything. And it just kind of really falls apart. And, you know, they do this thing with uh, Misa's character where Misa is like the, the creators literally say, you know, we added her because we didn't have a single real female character in this thing. And she's like, uh, you know, a very, you know, very controversial character because she's this like uh, fashionable Tokyo cosplay gothic Lolita girl who's like kind of chaotic and throws a wrench in Light's plans. Uh, you know, she has a high squeaky voice in the dub. You know, people find her annoying. And so they turn her into this Mia character who then is like, like they couldn't, like they wanted to redeem her and make her less of a girly girl. But then they just made her like a psycho bitch cheerleader. I'm sorry for using the B word. I'm sorry for our, our fans for being I, disappointed. I like that you sorry. said it. I like Marie, that. I'm sad. I'm sorry for using the <laughs> B word. Uh, just, yeah, it's like a Jenga tower that they just kept removing things and, like, filling it with just nothing, things that didn't fit. I would and say it's very even, frustrating. Even though this did not fit to the source either, those, all the deaths are, like, gnarly, man. Like, that was pretty rad, but maybe just not great for what this is where, you know what I mean? It didn't really fit. Again, I said Final Destination earlier. It felt like a weird Final Destination Mixed with Death Note in a lot of ways. 
Do you want to do an episode on Final Destination? I just watched the first one for the first time. Yes. It's amazing. I would definitely do that. so good. Unfortunately, though, I'll be doing that next year during Spooky Month. But I would love to do that, Jake. And uh, when we get there, I'm definitely down. Either way, Jake, is this it? Are we good? Do you think we have completed our episode on Death Note? There's always more to be said. Uh, but yeah, I think if if you don't know, you definitely have a clue now. Yeah. Uh, please, please look up the musical. It's so fucking crazy. Watch the first two episodes of the anime and then go look up the musical and then create your own Death Note and get arrested for it by the police. That is my <laughs> advice to you. And that is our episode on Death Note. Thank you so much again, everyone, for joining us. If you'd like to follow us further, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. That's patreon.com forward slash Whizbrew. We do for $5 a month weekly bonus episodes where we talk about the things we're watching, playing, etc. We talk, take, we take years in review. We have different special convers- discussion topics, all that sort of stuff. Answer fan questions, a lot of fun. Also, at the $15 tier, if you want, you can join our uh, Sunday study group. And that is where we meet up every Sunday on a special Discord and we talk about whatever we're studying. Obviously, this past week we watched a bunch of Death Note stuff and Jake forced us to endure a bunch of the musicals. So uh, I don't actually know if I would recommend that tier. But either way, I am on Twitch all the time, Monday, Tuesday, Friday night, twitch.tv forward slash Holdnaders Ho. I always love to see people, listeners of the podcast, pop in and say hi. And Jake? Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Whizbrew is an amazing resource where you can get hours upon hours upon hours of amazing content and keep that Wizard and the Bruiser hit going. You don't have to wait week to week. You can just live the dream. Uh, follow me on Twitter at BestJakeYoung to hear all my thoughts and plops. And uh, Mary, uh, take us out with uh, Secrets and Lies from the Death Note oh, musical. Oh, my God. Keep and on until whizzing. then. Yeah, keep on, uh, just keep on whizzing. I don't know. And never stop bruising. <laughs> all of the data has been analyzed. And yet there's something I don't see. The Lind L. Taylor murder televised. Kira killed a man who he thought was really me. What information is eluding me? With just a name, how can he kill? What other data does he have to see? Does he need a face to apply his deadly skill? How can I ever be at ease without his methods lack a moral code? And as for Kira, he can go to hell Taking hell along down this dark and evil road The truth is hard to sort out Among the secrets and the lies Familiar faces watch you But with the perfect stranger's eyes Give away half of my years to see somebody's name I'm smart enough so it appears to win this stupid game I'll rid the world of any criminal who wants to play And also rid the world of anybody who gets in my way The line is quickly blurring Between what's right and what is not I don't care who gets hurt now As long as I get one more shot Give away 
half of my age to see somebody's name I'm smart enough so it appears to win this stupid game I'll rid the world of any criminal who wants to play And also rid the world of anybody who gets in my way The truth is hard to sort out Among the secrets and the lies Familiar faces watch you This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at discounttire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.